Today, we conclude our study in Galatians chapter 1 and 2 by looking at one of the most famous statements in all of the Bible. So please turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 2, where Paul is going to tell us about uh, what it really means to be a true follower of Christ. What Paul says in Galatians 2 verse 20 is not only one of the most famous and powerful statements in the Bible, but it is unique in the compact way it, it simultaneously describes both Paul's personal experience and sets the standard for my experience, your experience, for every true Christ follower's experience in Jesus. This is what Paul says in Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In this one powerful statement, Paul defines what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And many of you have noticed something about me. Uh, you notice that when I talk about people who follow Jesus, I never or almost never refer to us as Christians. And I don't use that word Christian to describe us because for most people today, that word falls on a spectrum somewhere between having no meaning to actually having something of a, of a negative meaning. I'm not saying that Christian is a bad word. It's a good word. But think with me about how it has been used and abused. Uh, to some, Christian is a religious term that refers to rituals and ceremonies. To some, Christian is a historical term that refers to European wars and the rise and fall of Western civilization. To some, Christian is a political term that refers to a conservative voting block in America. To some, Christian refers to traditional social values. To some, being a Christian means being closed-minded and anti-science or a religious person. And to some, being a Christian is just a default term in this nation that means you're not Jewish and you're not Muslim. In my opinion, the word Christian has so much baggage that it makes me want to find another term for someone who is in Christ. So instead of using the term Christian uh, for a true believer, I tend to use words like a Christ follower or a follower of Jesus. And even though I think this helps... I know it doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't solve the problem that even in a room like this, uh, the worshiping people of Black Rock, there's confusion over questions like, what is a follower of Jesus? What does a Christ follower look like? And how do I know if I am truly a child of God? It is extremely important that we agree. We agree on the answer to these questions. And in Galatians 2.20, I believe we have the basis for our agreement. Because here in Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul defines what a Christ follower is. And his definition centers on two words. The two words are Christ and life. And so let's study Galatians 2.20 and Paul's definition of a true believer in three summary statements that contain those two key words. So here are the three summary statements. For Paul, being a true believer means having a Christ-centered life with God, a Christ-centered life from God, 
and a Christ-centered life for God. Let's look at these three summary statements, uh, starting with the idea that in Paul's experience, a true believer means having a Christ-centered life with God. There are people who call themselves Christians, but they have no personal relation or connection with God. Uh, To these people, being a Christian is a religious thing, a cultural thing, a family thing, or an institutional thing, meaning that it's not really a personal relationship with God. It's an institutional relationship with a church, but not for Paul. To Paul, being a true believer means having a person-to-person connection with God. It's having a personal relationship with God through a personal faith and relationship with Jesus. Now, keep something in mind. Keep in mind that Paul did not see Jesus die on the cross. Uh, There is no historical indication that Paul was physically present in Jerusalem on Good Friday. Paul did not see Jesus on the cross any more than you did or I have. But according to Paul, what Jesus did on the cross is so real and so personal to him that in some spiritual way, he believes he was there. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. And the tense that Paul uses here means, I have been and I continue to be crucified with Christ. And this is the first part of Paul's definition of what it means to be a true believer in Jesus. Being a true Christ follower means that I take what Jesus did on the cross very personally. Being a true Christ follower means that I understand that Jesus crosses history, but to me, it is much more than just history. It means that the story of Jesus and the cross intersects with my personal story in a way that changes everything for me right now. Being a Christ follower means that my life today is linked to an event that took place 2,000 years ago. And my, my, my life is so personally attached to what Jesus did, it's like I was there. With Paul, I can say, I have been crucified with Christ. Because what happened 2,000 years ago defines who I am today. You know, when I was a... Uh, teenager, I had an opportunity to go to Brazil uh, to work with some missionaries. And one day, I was in uh, one of the slums of the city of Sao Paulo, and I was uh, waiting to cross a dirt road, one of the dirt roads that goes through uh, one of these slums. And cars and buses and trucks were whizzing by me uh, as I stood there on the side of the road. What I didn't know is that the next vehicle coming my way was an open-top kind of dump truck filled with uh, scrap metal. And as it bumped down the road, the cargo shifted, and a big uh, bundle of rusty rebar was sliding out uh, uh, kind of an, an opening between the boards and the side of this truck. And as the front of the truck started going by me, I felt someone grab me by the back of my shirt and yank me back about three feet. And as I went back, I saw this 
bundle of metal rocket past my face at about 60 miles an hour. And I immediately understood that this man who still had a death grip on the back of my shirt, that he had saved my life. And I was shaken, but I turned to him and I thanked him over and over again. We introduced ourselves. I, I thanked him by name repeatedly. But now, all those years later, I have no idea about his name. And to tell you the truth, until this week, I had not thought about him for 30 years. And there are people who call themselves Christians who approach Jesus in the same way. They say Jesus is the Savior, but they hardly ever think about Jesus. And they don't express thanks to Him because they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. To them, Jesus is just history, like the guy in Brazil who saved me. Paul would say, I can call myself a Christian or anything else I want to, but until I apply what Jesus did on the cross personally, until the forgiveness that flows from the cross is my daily experience that defines who I am on a personal level, I am not a true believer. But when I do, when I do apply what Jesus did on the cross and receive God's forgiveness, then I begin to experience a Christ-centered life with God. I have a relationship with God that is Christ-centered such that I could never forget about Jesus the way I forgot about my Savior in Brazil. But instead, I think about Jesus all the time. I sense His presence in every situation. And I turn to Him throughout the day. And this is the experience that Paul is describing when he says, The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And here at BlackRock, we agree. We agree with Paul. We agree that this experience of a Christ-centered life with God is the standard of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. We agree that being a Christ follower is not just accepting historical facts about Jesus. It's applying what Jesus did on the cross personally by expressing from the heart something like this, not in these exact words, but saying something like, God, I understand. I can't earn a, a a relationship with you by following a law of good works or religiosity. The only thing I can do is apply what you did on the cross, Jesus, to my life in the way that makes you the center. And I follow you. And I hope you're asking yourself the question, uh, uh, do I have this? Uh, do I have a Christ-centered life with God? And maybe right now, there's a quiet voice. A quiet voice whispering to you, saying, no, you don't have that relationship. But today is the day. Today is the day where it all begins. If you hear that voice, I'm going to give you a chance to respond personally at the, at the very end today. So just hang on, because I'm telling you, we agree that there is nothing Nothing more important than following the voice of the Spirit to a Christ-centered life with God. Which is just the first aspect 
of Paul's definition of a Christ follower. Next, for Paul, being a true believer means a Christ-centered life from God. Paul's definition of a Christ follower begins with a Christ-centered life with God, but that's just the beginning. Paul goes on to explain how a true believer also receives Christ-centered life from God. Paul expresses this in those words, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Paul received a brand new life from God as he began following Jesus. Jesus began to live through Paul's body, enabling him to do things that he could never otherwise do and making him into someone he could never otherwise be, a new person. And Paul talks about being a new person back in the first chapter of Galatians, verse 13, where Paul writes, For you have heard of my former way of life. When I intentionally persecuted the church and tried to destroy it. Paul says, I had a former life. I used to be mean. I used to be angry. I was proud and I was violent. But now I have received a new Christ-centered life from God. And I am a new man. And then later in Galatians, Paul describes what he means by being a new man. He says that because he has Jesus in residence, he is filled with love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Notice that being a Christ follower is not trying harder to be good or to try harder to follow the rules. Being a child of God means that something has gotten into me. And I have a new desire to grow in love and joy, peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Something has gotten into me. And that something is someone named Jesus. Maybe you didn't have a dramatic conversion like Paul. And so sometimes you question whether you really are a follower of Jesus, whether you really are a child of God. But you know that you have new desires that you would not have otherwise. You have a desire to please God. You have a desire to serve people. You have a desire to study God's Word and to help others to know Jesus. You know what? That's an assurance to you of who you are. Because you would never have these desires unless someone had gotten into you. That's Jesus. Is someone living inside you and making you more loving, more peaceful, more joyful and patient over time? I hope so. I hope so, BlackRock. Because as we enter this new building next week, we need you. We need you to really show this kind of Christ-centered life from God. Why? Because periods of major change and high expectation can tend to push some people to a spirit of complaint or criticism. Um, Get ready. We're moving into this period of major change and high expectation. And I'm going to ask you to go into this new building and... Do so with the spirit of Christ and not the spirit of complaining or critique. You know, I think the changes that we're going to be experiencing are mostly good. But some, let's be frank, 
will stretch us. In some ways, the building isn't perfect. In some ways, the building is not quite finished. But let me just say something. Let me just say that any area that you experience in our new building that is not up to your expectation, it's not because of a lax attitude among those who serve you here at BlackRock. There have been select volunteers who have been working day and night on this project. But no one has worked harder or longer than your staff here at Black Rock. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about staff people you know, like Ada and Andy and Becky and Bob and Caleb and Dan and Dawn and Donna and Gaylord and Jan and Jeremy and Joe and John and Josh and Julie and Karen and Kate and Ken and Kent and Carrie and Larry and Mike and Ron and Sharon and Sue and Tim. Uh, let's just thank these folks for what they've done. These are people who have not only been huffing and puffing through the temporary uh, facilities now for 87 uh, weeks, but uh, they've been putting in midnight hours to get this building ready for you and for God's work. And here's just one way. I would like to ask you to let Jesus shine, live through you. As you see these staff members or others you know, volunteers you know, uh, who have worked on this project long and hard, like Craig Samuelson and Karen Williams and Josh Coles, please shower them with your affirmation and refrain. Would you please refrain, refrain, maybe for a couple of weeks from sharing your unmet expectations or critiques or complaints or coulda, shoulda, wouldas. Don't be a party pooper, all right? Uh, Let's just allow ourselves to celebrate a little bit, okay? Let's do that. And uh, please be patient and forgiving. Despite the fact that the staff has been working full tilt, full throttle, all, you know, there'll be some things in the kids' wing and the worship center and the parking lot that may not be at first perfect. But we're okay with imperfect, right? True Christ followers know that Jesus chooses to live in imperfect people like us. Jesus will be using our building long before we can use it in a perfect way. Uh, Jesus will shine through our attitudes in the process. That's what marks a true Christ follower. A true believer receives Christ-centered life from God. Next, for Paul, being a true believer means living a Christ-centered life for God. This is the last aspect of what defines a true Christ follower. A true believer lives for God and not for self. And Paul's expressing this truth when he says, I no longer live. I no longer live. I no longer live. But the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Paul says that he lives for God and not for himself. This is not just Paul's testimony. This is Paul describing what every true Christ follower does. Living for God is, and not for myself is not super Christianity. This is normal commitment for a true Christ follower. Paul says it's obvious that if 
Jesus gave his life for me so that I can have life with God and have life from God, then of course I owe him everything. Of course I will be a Christ-centered living sacrifice for God. And if you consider yourself a true believer, there's a part of you that just wants to stand up and say, Yoo-hoo, this is, we agree, we agree. This is what every Christ follower should be about. Commitment, commitment to live for God. Well, well, this is one of those things that's easy to say as long as I don't really think about the implication. The implication is sacrifice. Living for God and not for myself means that I'm giving some things to God that my old self would rather hold on for me. That's sacrifice. And for, from cover to cover in the Scripture, the kind of sacrifice that God calls for involves my time and my money. So let me just talk, just for a moment, just between us as a family, because we need to agree. Let's talk about the money part. I have no plans to talk about giving in the upcoming months. So let's just say something about it here, now, so that we can agree on it. And anyone knows that what I'm about to say is just what the Bible says. It's not my idea. This is God's idea. God says that in the Bible, that if I consider myself one of his people, then one of the ways I live for God is by giving a portion of my income to God's work in the church. I commit myself to God by committing a portion of my income, 10% is the guideline, to God's work. Money that my old self would rather keep for me. Now, I'm speaking now to you if you consider yourself a true Christ follower and a part of this church. We must all agree to give faithfully to God's work here at Black Rock. We have no plans for any big campaigns for a long time. I'm just talking about your regular tithing expression of your desire to live for God. We need your faithfulness in this area like never before. As of next week, our operating expenses go way up. And so not only do we need you to give faithfully, we need you to give soon. (laughs) Everyone cannot wait until December. Or I guarantee we will have a cash flow crisis. And I know some of you here at BlackRock say that you'll give whenever there's a need. This is the time, folks, to move forward. We must all agree to live for God and not for ourselves. But the other area where true believers live for God is with their time. And I know that for some of you, BlackRock is your church, but you're on the sidelines. And You're not really committed. You consider church eh, just kind of a little fragment in your life. You have a busy life. And you consider church something that should give something to you and enrich your life. And and when it comes to giving back and your involvement to BlackRock, well, you're busy. And church is just a little tiny fragment of your life. Today, I want to ask you to reconsider that approach. I want to ask you a question. Based on everything that Paul teaches in this verse, do you really think that a true Christ follower should be satisfied considering his or her church something that gives 
just kind of gives to life without giving anything back? Or do you think that living for God demands that you be focused by giving to God's work in your church? And do you really think that a true Christ follower should be satisfied considering the church of Jesus a tiny little fragment in your life? I'm asking you to reconsider what it means to be a true Christ follower. I'm asking you to agree with Paul and God's word that being a true believer means living, not just talking about, but living a Christ-centered life for God and not for myself. And I'm sorry if this makes you squirm a little bit. But you see, you can't be a true Christ follower and leave out the following part. And I want you to consider that this is a moment that gives you a fresh new start when it comes to your relationship with God and His church. Next week begins a fresh chapter for all of us. If you are a Christ follower and BlackRock is your church, then today make a new, fresh commitment. A commitment that you're going to give your life back to the one who gave himself for you. In view of the Savior who gives you life with God, life from God, Commit to a fresh start that sees your church as the place where you live for God. And if we agree, then this new chapter, starting next week, will be the most exciting God-given adventure that any of us will ever experience this side of eternity. This is the starting line. For all of us here at BlackRock. But for some of us, this is also a finish line. In a moment, I'd like to ask uh, those of you who uh, are on the servant team. Uh, you've been part of monthly or weekly part of this setup and the teardown here at Notre Dame. You've been serving in kids. You've been uh, part of the cafe. You've been parking. You've been greeting. Uh, if you've been part of the serving team in any way here at Notre Dame, would you just please stand? Let us recognize you. It's a finish line for you. Would you please stand? Let us just uh, recognize you. Thank you, guys. And... Uh, now I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Everybody stands. Because you know what? This is a new start. This is a, we're, at the, we're at the starting line right now. So let's all agree that we're going to run this race in a way that is for God, though our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's sing. <laughs>